We were just hanging out in Sunday school. I know that you, maybe more than anything else, are ready to be done with middle school, right? Right? Yeah, and high schoolers, you're not much different. I know that graduating is on your mind, and uh, maybe the weekend on top of that. I know that some of you look forward to being married. Uh, I know that some of us look forward to parenting, while others uh, may look forward to being empty nesters and the next adventure with that. Maybe you look forward to having a job or changing a job or retiring from a job. Maybe you're not thinking that far ahead. You're just like, Nick, I'm ready for lunch and almost ready for a nap. (laughs) That's real too. Uh, And I've just noticed that as we hope for things, many of the things that we hope for just aren't very sure and aren't very steady. And while that doesn't mean they're bad, it does mean that we need something better, right? Like we need something underneath all of it as an anchor. And uh, maybe, maybe one group of people, I, I know some of you have lived through a lot. And maybe when you look forward more than anything else, you just see, ah, like my body's wearing out. I've, I've done these things you've talked about, Nick. Um, and... and I, I know soon maybe, maybe death is what seems to be coming more than anything else. Where's the, where's the hope? What, what, what do you look forward to? So that's my question. And, and today, we're just going to look in Hebrews 11 at what God's people, not, not for years or decades, but for millennia, have been looking forward to. Okay? Is that something we can get on board with? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, if you're able, please stand with me, uh, and then I'll pray. We'll read the first few verses of Hebrews here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are a people uh, just desperate for your presence. Lord, I don't have anything fancy to say, um, but I trust that you will say what needs to be said uh, through your word. So, Lord, make your word powerful in our lives. Make it an anthem over and under and around everything that we do and say and think for your glory. That's what we need. We need you, Jesus. So come, show us yourself. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to do the first three verses. We'll read through the rest of it together as the sermon goes. Hebrews 11, verse 1, here it is. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. All right, you may be seated. All right, we're going we're gonna to break this down. I think the tone of the text starts off with a definition in the first two verses and then goes from verses 3 to 22 on a lot of illustrations. Uh, so we're going to spend a little time on those first two verses. I would just want you to notice right away, we see that God's people receive by faith God's commendation, Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about that phrase, by faith, because we're going to see it overall uh, about 11 times explicitly and more than that, implicitly. 
Okay, so by faith, let's give a definition because that's what he does, the preacher in Hebrews. He says that faith is, and this is Nick's paraphrase, faith is the reality or the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence that proves the unseen. Okay, and that's just looking in verse 1. And as we move through verse 2 and into 3, we see that he gives a, maybe an example, the first example of many. Verse 3, the world, everything we see and experience comes by the word. Okay, God's unseen reality and power in the word of God producing everything that we know, right? By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, okay? And this pattern is that God's unseen reality is beyond everything that our eyes can tangibly witness, okay? So there's something beyond, right? And what, what we notice as we go and we hear faith, faith, by faith, in faith, that faith brings in touch like a present reality with future eternity, okay? Present reality, what we live, experience, see, touch, into contact with future eternity, okay? Let's illustrate this. I, I'm try, I was trying to think, like, how, can, how do we understand this, like, invisible producing what is visible, right? God's word creating the world. This is not a perfect illustration, but you guys know, we, we gather around over at the river bend on 4th of July. We wait till it gets pitch black, and then they start launching off rockets, which explode fireworks. Okay, if you listen closely, you'll hear a right? We, we know that sound. We know that sound. And what that hiss brings is an explosion of light and beauty and glory, which we can see. So there is an, it, bear with, an invisible rocket, that sound, that's going to bring about a visible expression of, of beauty, right? So invisible, bring about what is visible. And we see that faith is kind of the linking element there, okay? We're going to talk a lot more about this, because that's what the, the book does, right? So We'll keep going, but I want you to notice this too, that chapter 11 is kind of framed both in verse 2 and then later on in verse uh, 39, I think, uh, with the word commendation, okay? There's a slide for this. The Greek, martureo, it, it can be translated as commendation. That's, that's what ESV says. There's a number of other just like trusted translations, which I think maybe make it a little more clear by just saying approval. Right? Like, commendation is to receive God's praise uh, or to be approved by God. You can compare those if you like. Uh, the important thing is, I'm going to kind of use those terms uh, maybe interchangeably because I think approval is a little more easy to understand, for my mind at least, and it gets the point across. So, commendation is, a, is another theme. We have faith and commendation. And commendation is similar we're going to theology class for a second. Similar to justification. Uh, justification being the, the standing of relationship we have with God, right? We are justified by Jesus, by faith in Jesus. So we're made right. We're put into right standing relationship with God. That's justification. Commendation is a little different. It's similar, but it's more regarding the 
attitude God has towards the relationship. Does that make sense? Justification is the standing we have in relationship with God. Commendation is the attitude that God has in relationship with us. Think of it like this, maybe. So you can have a child, uh, a kid that's legally yours, justification. You can have a, a child or a kid that is yours and that you are proud of. That's commendation. Okay, so two things. They're important. I, I just want to get that distinction if we can because approval is really uh, woven throughout this. And we're going to see, like, how do God's people receive God's approval? That's verse 2. Uh, and we're going to see it in verse 4 here. But first, I, I think there's a, there's a certain practicality to this. We know our instinct, like the things we naturally do, are controlled by our expectations, our emotions, and our attitude, and our actions. Like, that, that's what we instinctively do, how we live in this, like, reality. But our aim, by faith, is to get rid of what would be a fleshly or worldly or natural instinct and replace that with being led by the Spirit. Okay, we're, we're going to cover that more. But let's keep going. Here we are in verse 4. We see, by faith, they will receive God's approval. Let's read verse 4. Here it is. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Uh, some of you know Abel's story, right? This is coming from Genesis 4. Two brothers, older Cain, younger Abel, come to God and offer sacrifices to him. And what we see in Genesis 4, verse 4, is that God accepts Abel and his offering and is pleased with Abel, and God rejects Cain and his offering, okay? Abel was commended or approved as righteous through making an offering by faith. Cain didn't. He didn't receive the same approval. He was rejected. And out of jealousy, he killed his brother. So Abel died having pleased God by faith. I think I would summarize it just saying Abel's sacrifice pleased God. Okay? Abel's sacrifice pleased God. And this is, right away, it's contrasted. <laughs> we see the man who died in verse 4. And in verse 5, we see the man who didn't die. This is interesting. Read it with me. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. All right. <laughs> Enoch's an interesting character to me. He only gets six verses in Genesis. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Genesis 5. 
he only gets six verses. We see that he lived for 365 years, and then God took him, and that's pretty much all we've got. Enoch pleased God. How? (laughs) By faith. It says he believed and he trusted that God exists and that God rewards those who seek him. Okay? So Abel pleased God with his sacrifice. Enoch pleased God with his life. And then into verse 7, we come to Noah. Noah. You might know him. He's a little more familiar than Enoch, right? Let's read it. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Okay, so like Enoch, Genesis actually describes Noah as a man who walked with God. And that's an important phrase. As the world becomes more and more corrupt, we see that the Lord commanded Noah, the one who walked with him, to build a boat so that he and his family would be saved from coming judgment. Okay? By faith, Noah obeyed. Noah's obedience pleased God. And by obeying, he became an heir of righteousness. Isn't that glorious, right? Like that, by faith, Noah and everyone who hears the warning of judgment and runs to God in faith, we run to Jesus in faith and we trust that he can save us from this coming disaster, right? Jesus is the ark and the door. And through him, we will be saved. So, Abel's sacrifice pleased God. Enoch's life pleased God. Almost Abraham. Noah, his obedience pleased God. Let's go to Abraham. We're going to see the next section, uh, really, that goes from verse, uh, what is it? I think it's 8 through 22. It covers like 38 chapters in Genesis, so we're moving fast here. And we see that by faith, God's people received his approval and a heavenly home, okay? We're going to notice in the text as we read future, words that have to deal with the future, and words that have to deal with the home or land. Check it out. Verse 8 for now. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, all right, pause there. God says go, and Abraham goes. That's how faith instinctively acts, right? Life was probably not easy for Noah's fam- for Abraham's family on the road, right? Like he was leaving, presumably, friends, family, inheritance of the world for an inheritance that was unseen. Like, that's wild. But he obeyed. He and his family obeyed God by leaving their home. And then, let's look at verses 9 and 10. We're going to see what happens next. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, 
living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Okay, so he, Abraham, and later Isaac and Jacob would live as strangers in the promised land that God gave them. It's interesting. In Genesis 12, we see that God promises to give Abraham a land, that God promises to bless Abraham, and that God promises to make Abraham a blessing to the world. All right? But even when he brings Abraham to the promised land, he and his descendants, they're, they're not home yet. You catch that? He's still a stranger. <laughs> Why? Because he's looking forward. Future. He's looking forward to a better city. A city that has foundations not of temporary pleasure, but of future and eternal joy. Okay? There's something better. And, and friends, I, I love verse 11 and 12. We're going to move to that. Let's see. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him, <laughs> as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So Sarah had a son, and this son was the first of a heavenly people. Some of you, maybe you know the song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had. There it is. Awesome. Good work. Good work. Uh, we probably won't add that one to the, to the worship team set list, but that's okay. You get the idea. Father Abraham had many sons. Y'all, this comes from Galatians. Reach way back into your Bible knowledge here. Galatians 3. I want to share this with you. It says, know then, this is Paul writing, know it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, right? It's not just by bloodline, it's by Jesus' blood. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's quite a title. So, Isaac, Sarah's son, would be the first of a heavenly people. Isn't that glorious? We're just trying to see the glory as we go through this, and we're going we're gonna to look forward in verses 13 to 16. Now, let's do it. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So they died, the patriarchs died, waiting for their home, for a city. And I think we can make a little bit of a distinction, right? Like, unlike the patriarchs, we have in part received the promise from God. Like, we've seen the one through whom the world is blessed. That's Jesus. We've seen him. So we've seen in part, right? The patriarchs, in, they, they looked forward to Jesus, and we trust backwards. We're after uh, A.D., right? That's where we live. But like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and many, many others, we realize that we might die before heaven comes. Okay? So, if Jesus doesn't come before we die, we go to be with his presence right away. But the eventual plan of God in Revelation 21-2 is to bring a city down. Right? Did you catch that at the end? Where is it? Verse 16. He has prepared for them a city. So God's bringing a city down. He's renewing creation. And the patriarchs died waiting for that. They waited for resurrection. Verse 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, note this, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. All right. Look closely there, right? God said that he would work his promise through Isaac. So Abraham obeyed. Because he looked ahead. And all he could see was that, well, I don't know how, but I know that God's going to deliver on that promise. He was going to be faithful. Somehow, some way, Abraham offered Isaac expecting resurrection. In verse 20, <laughs> figuratively speaking, Isaac was back from the dead. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So notice the word future, like future blessings. Jacob, the younger son, swindled his older brother Esau from the best of that blessing. Of course, Esau wasn't without his faults, but God, but God, God used Jacob in the line of Messiah. And we see, verse 22 by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So it's significant that Jacob blessed Joseph's sons, so his grandkids. Ja- Jacob blessed Joseph's sons, his grandkids. I, we could go into that. For time's sake, let, let's suffice it to say that the blessing was an act of worship in God and of trusting. If you want to dig into that, go for it. It's kind of complicated, right? These sons ended up being part of the 12 of Israel. So it like skipped a generation. Very odd, but 
key thing is just that it was worship, right? He looked ahead and Jacob blessed his sons. Verse 22, Joseph, last one. By faith, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. So the exodus is really important in scripture. <laughs> we are talking about this in middle school, Sunday school, actually. It, it, it sets a pattern for the rest, right? Where we see God rescuing a people from slavery, th- that time slavery to Pharaoh, and that pattern is finished in Jesus setting his people free from the slavery of sin, death, Satan. Like, guys, we're free. We're free. Jacob prophesied this by faith, okay? By faith. Let's, uh, let's conclude this, <laughs> wrap it up, right? So I, I think this is what the, the author is saying or arguing. They received God's approval by faith, right? Like, that's it. By faith, they received God's approval. And I think that the preacher gives so many examples because he's trying to convince us that we receive God's approval and a heavenly home by faith, okay? I've heard, I've heard Christians mention that, like, well, in the Old Testament, God's people would, would be saved by what they did, and then Jesus came, and then now we are saved by grace through faith. And it's like, ah, that's not really what the Bible says, at least not Hebrews 11, right? Because we see that then, before Jesus came, in the old covenant, faith was essential to a saving relationship with God. And then we see that after Jesus came, faith is, in the new covenant, essential to a saving relationship with God. And, and this is another theme, right? Like God doesn't want empty sacrifices, empty obedience, empty singing, empty giving, empty fasting, none of that, right? Like he wants our hearts infused with it. He wants our trust. That's what he's after. He's not gonna settle for us going through the motions because he loves us more than that, okay? It's beautiful. It's so good. We receive God's approval Christian, we receive God's approval and our heavenly home by faith. So, chapter 11 comes between uh, 1039, which says, don't shrink back, and 12, 1 and 2, which says, therefore endure. (laughs) We'll get to that in a little while. And in the middle, it says that we receive our approval from God by faith. I can say that a lot. He says that a lot. And I think, just personally, I I don't think there's anything that's more liberating. Uh, And I also think there's nothing more binding, if that makes sense. There's There's a song I like, and it goes, I'm free because I'm bound. I'm bound for glory. Okay, does that make sense? Like, In Christ, we have a freedom from sin and self and Satan that is incredible. And in Christ, we are bound with him. We are united with Christ. We are bought, body, soul, to be his forever. So we are free because we're bound, and we're bound for glory. Like, isn't that, doesn't that sum this up so well? 
like we receive God's promises by faith. His approval, our heavenly home, that comes by faith. We are free because we're bound. Y'all, I love it. Um, Here's a simple application. Live as sojourners, okay? Live as sojourners. Live like everything's temporary because we're missed, right? I know, so I know some of you have, uh, maybe through military or else, moved around a lot in a short span of time. And if you do that, you get pretty used to being on the road, right? Like you, you learn to pack light, to not put roots down because you're not staying there. Uh, and maybe like a more common experience or example we know is like if you're camping, you're not going to bring your refrigerator, your sofa, your washing machine. And if you do, you call that glamping, right? Like that's not glamping. No. If you're camping, you're in a tent. Or if you're a real man, I'm told you have a hammock, even if it's cold. Uh, and that, that is how we walk, right? Like like Enoch and Noah walked with God, we, we just realized that, you know, this, this, isn't, this isn't my home. And, and that's not to say we don't plant ourselves in a place with relationships, but it, it frees us from what is, like, stuff, from our pride, from sin, right? Like, it, it takes worldliness, and it puts, us, puts, puts it in the rear view because we, we're moving to something better. We have faith in future grace. So, uh, guys, let's just be convinced that we've got a better home, right? And I think we talked about that later as we move through Hebrews. My, my encouragement for you is like, when you get home, uh, or this week, think about why is our home better? Like, why is heaven better? I'm not going to answer that right now, but you should talk about it. You should think of it. Because if we're a people who are, uh, if we're just flavored, seasoned by heaven, I think we will be effective in our faith, in our ministry, in our relationships. We just want to be soaking in heavenly grace, okay? Praise God that the saving work is done by faith, right? Let's, uh, let's pray together and let's sing. Lord Jesus, we just want to pray together um, in worship and declaration that the saving work is done, death is not our ending, that our approval isn't by the strength of our faith, but our approval is by the one our faith is in. Jesus, we believe that. We give our lives for that. Lord, we need glory this week. Like, we just know that our lives will not be changed unless we see glory. And we want to be changed from one degree of glory to the next, day by day. So, sanctify us. Make us a people after your heart. A people who, like like so many saints in history, are absolutely captured with your glory. Lord, motivate us with your glory. Uh, Do it. Lord, surely you are able. You are able to do it more than we can hope or dream or imagine. So, God, by your blood, do it in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.